I want to read Psalm 145 together. Psalms 145. Today I actually have my uh, ESV. We we've often use NIV, but I'll be reading from ESV today. Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and His mercy is over all that He has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power and to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all of his works. The Lord upholds those who are falling And he raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them food in due season. You open your hand, and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all of the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. God, we desire that our hearts and our minds be open to these beautiful truths we've just read. God, as we begin this summer series, would you use the Psalms to cause us to delight in you? God, David prays, taste and see that the Lord is good. And God, our desire as we come to your word is to taste and to behold and to see That you indeed are good. Guide us in our studies. I pray for myself today. I pray for Tim. I pray for Josh. I pray for Stefan. As each of us is going to be in the Psalms. Would you speak through your word. Build up your people. And as a result, would your name be made great in this city. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the psalm that we just read this morning was the very last psalm recorded in the book of Psalms written by David. 
And in this psalm, I hope that you were able to taste and see. I hope that you were able to see the beauty and the poetry, the, the heights that the psalms bring us to. And as we begin this new series on the psalms, and if you haven't been uh, with us or in attendance with us, we spent the last seven months in the book of Mark. And we've been steadily going through verse by verse, looking at the story of Mark. Uh, and now we are going to, uh, over the next few weeks, take a look at Psalms. Now, if you're thinking, wow, 150 Psalms, well, we will do Psalms a little bit differently, and I'll explain uh, how we will go through the Psalms, because I want to explain j- just a couple things. As one of your shepherding elders, as, as Stefan and, and I lead River of Life, We want to bring God glory by faithfully teaching all of the scriptures. We want to teach the whole counsel of God's word. And we we believe that that is our stewardship to you. That we want to uh, preach from all types of scripture. And the scripture will will bring us to heights and, and, and bring us to praising. And the scripture will also bring us to the place where we are on our face in front of a God that we don't fully understand His will in His hand, but we're confessing that we trust in His providence, that we trust in His goodness. And it's so important that we embrace all of Scriptures. Uh, If we think about a a diet for yourself, there are many types of food groups, right? If, If you went through school, then you probably were taught at some point in time that there's a food pyramid, uh, and, and how much to eat from certain types of foods, right? We, we know that we, we need uh, all different types of foods to have a healthy diet. The same is true with scriptures, is that we want to preach all of scriptures, but we also believe that all of the scriptures point to Jesus. We believe there's, there is one thing that is taking place in the story of the scriptures, is that all of the scriptures are pointing to God's plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. Uh, and so... This also means that when we we desire to want to preach the whole counsel of God's Word, it means that all of us need to be equipped to be able to feed ourselves from God's Word. Because you have probably noticed, not all of Scripture is as easily readable as other parts. There's there's some skill involved. Uh, God's Word uh, can be understood even by children, but there's certain aspects that are a little bit deeper. And so... One of the things, one of the goals in in now moving to the Psalms is that we would equip you as your shepherding elders to be able to read and benefit from the Psalms yourself. That is my stewardship to you, right? So two things, we want to bring God glory by preaching the whole counsel of, of God's word, and we want to specifically equip you. So today is going to be a little bit different. I started in one Psalm, or Psalm 145. But today is really an overview of the Psalms. And I want to take a look at what we'll do, uh, four things, kind of give you an outline for how to best understand our, our very first sermon in the Psalms. We're going to do an overview. And in that overview, I want four things to walk away with. Uh, if you don't have a pen and paper, then kind of make a mental note. There's going to be four things that we want you to walk away with today. And the first is that you would know the overall theme 
of the Psalms so you could better understand and enjoy them. Number two, that you would understand why the Psalms are important today. Number three, I want to talk and take a look at why the Psalms are challenging. And the fourth thing is to equip you to understand the different types of the Psalms. That's where we're going today. I want you to understand kind of the overall theme. I want to take a look uh, and help you understand why the Psalms are important. We're going to talk about why they're challenging, and then I'm just going to equip you to understand uh, five different types of psalms today. Okay? That's the direction we're going. And by the way, as we preach, uh, we, we will be covering all the different types of the psalms. We're going to spend about uh, eight to ten weeks in the psalms. And in that eight to ten weeks, you will be equipped to understand all of the, the, uh, the important types of psalms so that you can read and benefit from or for yourselves, okay? That's where we're going. So, let me begin and just share a little bit about the Psalms as a whole. Maybe think of this as an appetizer to, to whet your appetite and maybe to see God's glory and goodness. So throughout the ages, for both Israel, the early church, and leading all the way up till today, the Psalms have been treasured by the church. The Psalms have, have been both the, the song book of praise, but it's also the expression of prayers. And it's poetry. It's what we can turn to and to comfort ourselves in the midst of persecution, in the midst of suffering. And the Psalms are beautifully unique because literally it takes us to the highest heights of praise where you, I was listening today, there, there's a beauty in praising God together. When, when you sing, the, and maybe this is not true for everyone, but I think it, God made us to be this way, it's hard to stand still. Your, your body literally wants to rise. Josh read today, it says, the rivers clap their hands. They shout for joy. Uh, and actually, this is, this is actually something beautiful because one thing that is unique about being made in God's image is no other creation of God is able to express itself and praise the way that we do. God made us unique to praise. And no other uh, thing that God created in all of heaven and earth also feels the depths of despair that we do. And the disappointment, and the suffering, and the pain. And the beauty of Psalms is that it takes us to both places and embraces both as equally part of living in this tension of how God has made us and God is good, but recognizing our world is broken and so am I. And how do I find language to pray and to praise and in all of life's emotions. And that's what the psalm does. And so the psalms are, are filled with this raw honesty and emotion, and they're passionate. And in the psalms, literally, some psalms are written for corporate praise, and some psalms are written, you can tell, in a place where I'm alone, where I am literally, if, if you read the psalms, I am on the floor. David says, I am eating the dust, and the tears are pouring down. David says, I'm literally tasting my tears. David writes 
That kind of poem where he's pouring out his heart, where God doesn't quite make sense. And the same guy also writes some of the most beautiful praise songs that we still refer to and sing today. The Psalms takes us to both. The early church father and pastor Athanasius said, I believe that a man can find nothing more glorious than these Psalms. For they embrace the whole life of man, the affections of his mind, the emotions of his soul. And so as we come to the Psalms, we come to a time-tested hymnal, songs of praise, prayer book, poems reflecting the, the greatest distress and suffering handed down to us all the way from the time of Israel and David down to now. When we think about the Psalms, let me just kind of transition. If that's a taste of the Psalms, what are they? If you simply take your Bible and you open it up, it's 150 different Psalms, 150 different unique reflections of praise and emotion and human experience. We talk about the authors. We often think of David, and we will refer to David as writing the Psalms, but David wrote only 73 of the 150 Psalms. So he's the main author, but there were others. In fact, Solomon, his son, wrote two of the Psalms. There's a group known as the Sons of Korah, and these were, these were the appointed musicians or, or leaders in praise during David's time in David's court. And so just as we have those leading us in worship and recognize that there's talents that God gives us to express through musical instruments and singing, David had the sons of Korah. And this was a group who literally wrote songs. So there's 12 psalms attributed to the sons of Korah. Asaph, or Asaph, depending on where you grew up and how you pronounce this, uh, was another member of David's court that was specifically charged with writing praise music for the people. And he wrote 11 of the Psalms. If you've never noticed, Psalm 90 is written by Moses. And it's the oldest Psalm. There is a gentleman by the name of Ethan. There is a man by the name of Haman. And then there's 50 Psalms that really they express no specific author. If you're talking about dates... The, the collection that we have of the Psalms spans about a thousand years, with the earliest being the Psalm of Moses, and with the last Psalm that we believe being Psalm 137, which was a lament. Uh, it, was, it was after the time of, of the, the uh, Jews being in captivity in Babylon and have it coming back to their land. And so we have a Psalm from that time, specifically mentioning their captivity. And so when we look, there is breadth from Moses all the way to the end of captivity. We have psalms being written and those psalms being collected and eventually put together. So just some unique aspects of the psalms. The longest book of the Bible is the psalms. That has the longest chapter in the Bible, which is Psalm 119. And if you have never taken time to read Psalm 119, this is, in a sense, David's masterpiece David spends, he he goes literally through the entire Hebrew alphabet and he writes 
praise to God for his word, reflecting every letter in the Hebrew alphabet. We don't normally pick that up because we are reading English. And so the translations don't go in alphabetical order. But if you want to look at a masterpiece, well, just as we think of a painting or a sculpture, David sat and he thought and he prayed and he produced Psalm 119, which is one of the most majestic praises for God and a love of his word. Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm in all the Bible. And in the psalms, we we actually have some collections, if you've never noticed. There's songs of what we call the Song of Ascents. This is Psalm 120 to 134. The Song of Ascents is, is a translation because the Hebrew literally says songs of going up. Going up to where? It's going up to Jerusalem because no matter which direction you came from, you had to go up to Jerusalem because the, the, the elevation was elevated. And there would, uh, the way that God had designed worship is that people came to the temple to praise. And so you had these pilgrim songs. These songs of ascents are songs for the journey. They're songs that people sang as they were on the roads coming to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in sight and they're singing the songs of going up. That's Psalm 120 to 134. And Psalms ends with what we call the hallelujahs. The last five, five Psalms are all uh, predicated upon this simple statement over and over again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what, so when we sing hallelujah, what are you saying? You're literally saying praise God. Praise the Lord. And so the last five are... The hallelujahs. So now, having just given you a a very simple introduction, I want to dive into our four things that we want to do today. I want to talk about overall theme first. So what is the overall theme? If there's 150 different psalms, is, is there a way that we can kind of summarize? And we can. So if we look at the songs and the prayers and the poems, it's all really around one specific topic. And I would say it's a celebration and an invitation for all to praise God's goodness, faithfulness, unfailing love on behalf of his people. Right? It's a mouthful, but it's it's actually pretty simple. The Psalms are celebration and invitation to praise God's goodness, his faithfulness, and unfailing love on behalf of his covenant people. And I'll illustrate that in three ways. I could really reduce it to, to three words, and, I, and I'll show you. We'll, we'll take a look at uh, three quick passages. But Psalms expresses joy, trust, and hope. Joy, when it looks to the past and it celebrates what God has done and His mighty deeds. It celebrates or it, it expresses trust in the present. Choosing to trust in God's character in the midst of suffering, persecution, or circumstances that the author can't quite explain. And so we have trust. And lastly, expresses hope. And this is the look at the future. That there's this confident expectation in God's promises and specifically his kingdom. And so overall, the Psalms are about celebration and invitation to basically praise God for his goodness and his faithfulness and his steadfast love for us, specifically for his people. 
And it's done joy, oftentimes expressed for what God has done in the past. Trust in the present. Hope for the future. Let me illustrate those real quickly. I told you Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm, so let me show what joy looks like. Psalm 117 is praising God. And Psalm 117 is just two verses. It says this, Praise the Lord, all nations extol Him, all peoples, for great is His steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. And then it ends again with praise the Lord. And these weren't empty praises. This was praising God because of the way He had worked in the history of Israel. It was always a look back. Israel's Israel's praise was never empty. It was always praise for a faithful, covenant-keeping God who had never, never, never allowed one of His promises to go unfulfilled. Trust. Trust is expressing confidence in God's character to either forgive sin, right? When we do communion, we read one of the Psalms and David is expressing his trust that God will forgive his sins. So is expressing trust in, for God to forgive sins, expressing trust in God in the midst of despair, and we have all been there. It's expressing trust in the, mix, in the midst of suffering. And Psalm 13 is a great example. I'll just read you a few lines, and you can see what it looks like to express trust. And you can see the depths that David is, is going through right here, the distress. He says in verse 1, Psalm 13, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. And then look how he ends in verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So in the midst of questioning and wondering, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will I have to take counsel in my own soul? When will you speak? He ends in confidence. And this is what Psalms does. We, we, it's a celebration in God's character, even, ex, even in the midst of expressing despair. And let's talk about hope. Hope is the confidence that God rules and reigns over all things, and He will establish His eternal kingdom. I'll reference the psalm we started with, with Psalm 145, because you're going to see that it expresses confidence that God is king now, and it longs for the time for the future when God will establish His eternal kingdom over all things. So in Psalm 145, 10-13, it says this, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, and to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations." So you see the overall theme of Psalms, whether it's looking in the past and inviting you to praise God for what He's done, whether it's recognizing that in the midst of my life, in the brokenness where I don't see God's goodness right now, or I don't understand God's goodness, it's expressing trust. 
And there's this, there's this future hope. And this is what defines those who believe in God, is that we recognize that all of life is lived for a kingdom that is, that is revealed now through God and His goodness, but is being more fully revealed, and we'll see that through Jesus Christ. I get a hair out of my mouth. Much easier to preach without that in there. All right, so this is the main theme, and I showed you through three different ways that this main theme is being expressed through, through different emotions, but also joy, trust, and hope. Now, let me tell you why the Psalms are important. And I'll give you four reasons. In the Psalms, the first thing is we see the Old Testament summarized. The Psalms cover almost every significant theme from the Old Testament, So they're comprehensive, but they're compact. They will recount Israel's history with God. They recount his redemptive acts. They also recount the covenants. And so when we look at the Psalms, we have all of the Old Testament revisited. It's it's basically a summary that the Jews would often use as they sung or as they prayed, and they would recount God's faithfulness and specifically his acts. So the Psalms are a great way to understand Old Testament as a whole. Let's talk about New Testament. Because the Psalms are the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. 41% of the Old Testament quotes all come from the book of Psalms. And you can see how familiar the Psalms were to God's people in the New Testament. It really was their song book. It really was their prayer book. It really was the poetry that had impacted their lives. Jesus himself refers to the Psalms more than 50 times. When we look at Psalm 2, Psalm 2 is quoted uh, not by Jesus, but immediately after Jesus' death by his disciples as they recognized that all that was taking place uh, under uh, Pilate, all that was taking place with Jesus' crucifixion, really just fulfilled Psalm 2. Psalm 91, Jesus quotes when he was tempted in the wilderness. Jesus is quoting the Psalms at the very beginning of his ministry. When Jesus and his disciples met and he instituted the Lord's Supper, and it says they sang a hymn, I can't prove this, but I would say, it would be very likely that Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn from their Hebrew hymn book, which would have been the Psalms. And that wasn't a one-time event. I believe that Jesus and his disciples often sang hymns. Where did they get those hymns? They got them from the Psalms. When Jesus was on the cross and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's actually just a quote from Psalm 22, where David is expressing the same emotion and feeling forsaken by God. When Jesus wants to express how he is feeling, he quotes the Psalms. And so you could see the importance of Psalms and how it, it shapes us, and how it shapes our emotions, how it shapes how we express either joy or trust or hope. And what the Psalms really do is they give us a model. The other reason, uh, so Old Testament, New Testament, it's important because of Jesus. But fourth thing is the Psalms give us a model. Because more than likely you have felt those highest heights where you want to praise. And you have also felt those lowest lows. 
And how do you express yourself in a God-glorifying way in the depths and on the heights? Psalms gives us that language. If you need a model to know, how do I pray when I am broken? When I, when I, I can barely even, the desire to pray is, is barely there? How do I come before God when I, when I can't find the words and I don't have the feelings? Psalms gives us a language. Because David and others felt those same things. How do we pray when we are experiencing righteous anger? When we see something that's broken in our world, something that, is, that has invaded our life, sin, in some way, shape, or form, how do you pray with a righteous anger? The Psalms give us that language of God-glorifying way to come before God and say, this isn't right. Without complaining, Without resulting in allowing our anger and our temper to run too far. Psalms gives you that language. And how do you pray when you need, to, when you need comfort or when you need to comfort someone else? Right? Have you ever had that challenge that, that someone is hurting? How do I find the words? Find them in the Psalms to help others find comfort. So those are four reasons I believe the Psalms are important. Now, let's get to the challenging part. What is challenging about the Psalms? And I would say, maybe in two words, they're familiar. We, we know a lot of language, right? So when we say, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere, we know that. When I say, that, uh, my, like a deer pants for water, that my soul longs after you, that's, we get that imagery from the Psalms. When we say, one generation shall tell another, we get that from the Psalms. So you're familiar, but here's the thing. They're kind of foreign. Maybe the best way to explain it is like this. The Psalms kind of seem like a playlist that is on random. All right? 150 songs and you have no idea what pops up next. You're like, I don't know. Is this a praise? Is this this a petition? Because the Psalms are prayers and songs, but in, in our mind, there's really no structure. Anybody have kind of wrestled with that? Like, I don't need, like, where would I look for something in the Psalms? Uh, I, I'm leading the service. Sam's asked me to pray. I'm just going to kind of page through till I find a good one. Uh, but I don't really know how they're structured, right? So if, if you have wondered this, how are the Psalms structured? There actually is a structure. Uh, it's not just a, a random list. Um, and so I want to make that structure clear to you this morning. So if you... Have ever noticed in the Psalms, so grab, if you have your Bible, we're going to do a little uh, exercise together, and I'm going to show you very simply the structure of the Psalms. We can do this just in a few minutes, and it will give you an understanding of, of uh, how the Psalms is put together. So, if, if you have your Bible, Psalms is right in the middle. Um, one of the organizing principles that you may not have seen before, and, or maybe you have noticed, is that Psalms is actually written in five books. And so, if you turn right to Psalm 1, on the top you'll see Book 1. Maybe you have read that and you've never ever paid attention to it. Uh, Maybe you've read it, but you didn't have any frame of reference to even know. Uh, So, when you open the Book of Psalms, you're going to see Book 1. And so, maybe you read that, but if you haven't gone through the whole Psalms, you haven't recognized, ah, there's a Book 2, and a Book 3, and a Book 4, and a Book 5. And there's an organizing principle, and the Psalms actually do have a flow so there, there is some randomness as far as we will find 
all types of, of poems and prayers and praises throughout all the books. But there, there is some organizing structure. So, you saw book one there. Let me just invite you to turn uh, to Psalm 42. So when you turn to Psalm 42, you'll see right at the top, book 2. And if you will back up just a little bit, the ending of all the books ends in a very similar way. So uh, just, just so you know, David didn't organize the Psalms. David wrote many of the Psalms. We understand that there are unnamed, uh, whether it was uh, scholars, whether it was scribes, there were Jews, probably in charge of worship, who eventually edited and put these psalms together. And when they did, they put a similar ending on the end of every psalm. So look at Psalm 41, verse 13. It says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. That is not a part of the original psalm. That's an insertion by those who edited and put these together. It is always a transition to a new book. So, book two. Now, so book one is 1 to 41. That's not that important. Book two begins in verse 42, or chapter 42. Let's turn to the end. Book two ends in 72. So be going through your scripture or on your phone. Psalm 73 begins book three, but if once again, if you will go up just a few verses, look at Psalm 72 beginning in verse 18. It's the same ending. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. And it has a little bit of variation. Who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And then it says, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. So we can tell that uh, this original song, that was a, a, a notation by one of the uh, editors. That was not in the original psalm by uh, whoever wrote it. Does it give it? It says this was a song of Solomon. But it does say this is the end of David's psalms. Now, that's not the end of David's Psalms, but this is obviously the end of original collection. So back in, in the, the days of, of the uh, Old Testament, they had collections of scriptures. And the, the Psalms that we have of 150 are probably several collections put together. And the organizing principle, like I said, is they've organized them in books, and they have that ending. So I'll show you the next one. If we go to uh, from Psalm 73 to 89... Once again, you're going to see a closing and a beginning. So Psalm 90 starts with book 4. By the way, Psalm 90 is the Psalm of Moses. And if you look at Psalm 89, verse 52, once again, here is the way that all of the books end. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Here's a little bit shorter version. And lastly, I'll just go to the end. Look at uh, book we're going to go to Psalm 150 we'll go to all the way to the end and in a sense the last five psalms all repeat this refrain 
But Psalm 156 just says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so every book ends with this similar theme. They're not exactly identical, but you could see the same concept expressed again and again. Now, this is different than a, a, a preaching sermon. We're diving into the text, but I think it's really important. One of the things I need to do for you is to equip you. You understand the Psalms is now has five books, each book connected by a, a very specific idea of wanting to praise God uh, and wanting to praise him forever and ever. And I'll just teach you one more thing about the Psalms. So I told you those last five Psalms, what we call the, uh, the Hallelujahs. And if you look at Psalm 145, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, uh, excuse me, 146 to 150, all of them begin with praise the Lord. This is the conclusion. So the last five Psalms are the end of the entire book. It's, it's like the closing chapter. And so it, it, you ever go to fireworks and the fireworks, they, they have fireworks, but then they have a finale. The last five chapters are all praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And it's specifically designed. Psalms ends with praise and praise and praise. Five songs of praise. And it's, it wasn't written like this in, in chronologically, but these were five psalms that they all took, all praising the Lord, and they put them at the end to finish the book of Psalms. Psalms also has an introduction. It's Psalms 1 and 2. And Psalms 1 and 2 introduce you to the entire book of Psalms. Psalm 1 talks about the blessed man who walks uh, not in the way of sinners, but delights in the law of the Lord. So that's the introduction to the Psalms. It's to help you understand what is the benefit of serving this God that we are praising in in these Psalms. Well, the scriptures say that man is like a tree planted by the water, bearing fruit in season. That's the opening. So what does it look like to be in relationship with this God that we're praising? It looks like a man planted by the water, bearing fruit in season. And then it moves straight to his kingdom. Psalm 2 is introduction to the God who rules and reigns over everything. And this Psalm, Psalm 2, is what is quoted right after Jesus is crucified. It's what uh, the New Testament authors immediately recognize, this is what is taking place. God rules and reigns, and he has set his son, his anointed over all things, and he will not be shaken. So that is the introduction. Psalm 1 and 2 are introduction. What does it look like for the person who follows God? What does it look like for the people who follow God is God has anointed a ruler who will reign over all things, and we are awaiting that time. But in the present, we're blessed to know and follow him, but we have this, this certain hope that there is an anointed one who will establish God's kingdom. So, you know there's five books. You know the overall theme. You know that there's, there's a conclusion. Those last five hallelujahs, all about praising the Lord. You know there's an introduction. Introduction to the individual who, who follows God. Introduction to the people who follow God and looking forward to his kingdom. Now, once again, I told you, this is a little bit different type of sermon, but we, we need different types of teaching. And for this overview, it's really important that you get some of these things. I want to end this morning by equipping you to understand five different types of psalms. We're going to go quickly through. There is no consensus, just so you know. Uh, so, So when David was writing or Solomon was writing, they didn't think, I'm going to write a lament or I'm going to write a praise. But what we can do as we look back is that they actually did write with certain forms. 
And David wrote certain, uh, certain types of songs where they're praised. So some psalms are actually corporate praise songs. And they almost always begin inviting the corporate community to praise together. Uh, then there's songs ri- written uh, privately and individually. Some say there's as many as, as 20. Some will say there's 12. It's not really important. I mean, you can get into a lot of differences. I'll just tell you five main types so that when you're going through the psalms, you can recognize, ah, this is a praise psalm. This is a lament. Lament is expressing distress. Let me highlight five of those, and this will give you a, 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 help you be better equipped. You know there's five books. We know that there's at least five types of psalms, and here's the first. The first is a wisdom psalm. That's what you saw in Psalm 1. If you're making notes uh, and you want to write down some other wisdom psalms, Psalm 1, Psalm 19, Psalm 119, Psalm, uh, this says 176. I know that can't be true since there's only 150. But if there is one, we go, be looking for 176. Could be a winner. Uh, I'm going to discount that in my notes and think that I probably was uh, talking to my kids. Uh, when I... All right, so a wisdom psalm. You already saw in Psalm 1, so you can kind of look. These psalms remind us of concrete ways... God wants us to live before him. So it reminds us of God's will for everyday life. And they proclaim the blessings of obedience and faithfulness to God in walking in his ways. Blessings or uh, Wisdom psalms typically talk about the blessings of following God contrasted with the wicked behavior of those who don't and the, the surety that God in his righteousness will not allow wickedness to go unpunished. So we have wisdom psalms. Another type of psalm is the hymn. You can think of a hymn, a a praise or thanksgiving. Psalm 103 is a a great illustration of a praise psalm. There's many, many I could point to. These hymns, they have some common elements. I told you they typically begin with a call to worship. So these hymns were, were probably used in corporate praise in the temple. They were written specifically to direct everybody in how to praise together. So we know we were singing songs that they sang corporately. They, they continue in their worship by citing specific reasons God should be praised. And they often contain a give thanks to the Lord because or for. And so you know you're, you're reading a praise song or a, a hymn. And lastly, they always conclude with calls for further praise. And so they almost always follow this simple formula, inviting you publicly to praise, then they give you the reasons for praising, and then they always close with saying, keep praising God. A third type of psalm is the lament. Psalm 22 uh, is a great uh, illustration of this. Psalms of lament are from the depths of human emotion. It's cries of distress and nowhere to turn but God. The author is troubled by their own thoughts, their own sins, their own actions. The author is maybe in distress because of his enemies or things that have been done to him. Or the author might be just simply frustrated that God doesn't seem to answer, that they seem forgotten, that God seems very far away, that justice is not being executed for those who don't follow God. We would say Ecclesiastes kind of has this theme, right? Where it seems like the righteous are blessed. 
They're going, they're going through. Nothing happens. They, they lie. They cheat. They steal. And yet, God is blessing my enemy over me. And David wrestles with this. So that's a song of lament. There's also psalms of kingship or royal psalms. And songs of kingship or royal psalms, for example, Psalm 2 is a royal psalm. It's always about the human king of Israel and blessings on that king. Or it's always proclaiming God as king and looking forward to his kingdom. So kingdom is a major theme in the psalms. And when you read about the, the, the kingship of Israel, or you read about uh, David, for example, Psalm 145, of, of talking about God's future kingdom, these are kingdom psalms. Lastly, there's songs of remembrance. So, for example, Psalm 77, Psalm 78, Psalm 79, or excuse me, Psalm 89. These are psalms that look back in the past. Remember I told you that the psalms are a great summary of the Old Testament history? These are psalms that specifically point out specific things that God has done as mighty acts. So psalms of, of remembrance, uh, they recount God's redemptive acts. So, for example, the Exodus, uh, where God has redeemed his people, the giving of the law at Sinai, God's covenant with David. They remember God's faithfulness and they look back and they praise God. Now, there's many more types of psalms. If you want to explore those, uh, I can give you materials that help, but that's at least five. And so there's certain categories, and in each one has an individual kind of uh, uh, flow of how they move. And those will better help you praise and worship and, and benefit from the Psalms. I want to cite, just real quickly, some resources, and I think I skipped one resource. So just as a way to help you better enjoy the Psalms. Let me give you three resources, and then we'll, we'll close. One of the great ways, I just told you that Psalm was in five books. If you have never discovered the Bible Project, click on the Bible Project. It gives you a 10-minute video outlining the five books and how it's put together. They also have introductory videos for every book of the Bible. Uh, this is a wonderful resource, not just for the Psalms, but to help you understand the Bible's big story. These guys do it in a creative way. Uh, this video, this, this picture is literally drawn out in front of you, put together piece by piece as they're narrating what's taking place. Uh, so the Bible Project is a great way for you to dive into the scriptures yourself, and I would encourage you to do that. Another great resource that uh, I came across as I was studying for this series is called Every Psalm. It's by a group called Poor Bishop Hooper. Strange name but a very God-glorifying desire. This is it's just a husband and wife with two young kids who made it their uh, mission to produce one psalm a week, and they went through, or they're going through all 150 songs. Every Wednesday, they release a new song based upon a psalm. They literally just sing the psalm. Uh, they, I, I think, are in the 130s, so you have a wonderful way to catch up. Uh, <laughs> look at every psalm. Uh, go on YouTube because the playlist is there. It's updated every Wednesday. If you want to enjoy the Psalms, this is just the Psalms sung. Nothing more. If this, if this will help you as they express praise and as they sing uh, of the, the times we're in their distress. It's just capturing. Uh, in fact, I could probably mention just another. It's not in my notes. Uh, Shane and Shane. 
have two um, CDs on the songs where they sing the songs. It's beautiful music, Shane and Shane. It's uh, two guys whose name happens to be Shane. Uh, hence, Shane and Shane. Uh, two guys that love the Lord, have been me- making music together. They're, and the reason I'm so obvious is that not everybody is from the U.S., so I can't uh, assume that everybody has the same culture. But Shane and Shane, I've been listening to them for years. Wonderful godly music. It, it will uh, really bless you. If you want to also look at Shane and Shane, it's called the Psalms. They have volume one and two. I'll give you one more, um, and that is, is Psalmody. So Psalm, O-D-Y. There's another website that just will, will, has songs, that has other content. If you want to dive in, you want to experience more of the Psalms, let me just give you resources to help you enjoy. Uh, we're, we're told from the scriptures in, in Revelation, take and eat. Eat this book. God will allow his word to transform you. Ezra's looking, but that's actually the truth. Uh, that is not being metaphorical. The Bible tells us to eat this book. Uh, and I want to encourage you, delight in the Psalms this summer. Take some time. Either add it to your current reading schedule. Take a break from what you're doing. As we're preaching through the Psalms, enjoy the Psalms. Get to know them intimately uh, and get to know God and enjoy him through it.